0: Make sure that you mark your offering uh, on the envelope, uh, designate it to the unis, and we'll make sure that they get that this morning. Amen. Amen. Are you ready to worship the Lord this morning? Amen. God is here, He is in this place this morning. Can't you just sense God's presence already today? We love the Lord. God has been good to you this week. Amen. He's worthy of our praise this morning. I want to invite everyone to stand, if you would. We're going to open in prayer. We're going to consecrate ourselves this morning to the Lord, and let's press in to the things of God today. He has something special for you today. Praise the Lord. Father, we love you this morning. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this time, Lord God. Father, that we can come to your house, that we can worship you, Lord God. And Father, right now, Lord, we invite your presence, that you would fill every heart today, that you would fill this place with your glory afresh, Lord God, that you would minister to every heart and every need today. May you be glorified this morning, Lord, as we lift our song to you, Lord God. Father, as we... As we call upon your name today, Lord God, have your way in this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: we
2: Thank you, Lord. We stir up our gifts. We thank you, Lord. We stir up our gifts. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We will not be timid. We will not be intimidated. We will not be brought to a place of fearfulness. But as the Scripture declares, the righteous shall be as bold as a lion, and we will be bold in our God, and we will be bold, recognizing that He hath, he hath anointed us. In the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. And we are fully able to triumph. We are fully able to overcome. We are fully able to finish our race. And to be more than conquerors in Christ. And all God's people said, God bless you. You may be seated. Good morning. Hallelujah. Sometimes we can get into the habit of looking at ourselves and looking at our circumstances instead of looking at God and what God has made us. Amen. And you can look at the circumstance without and get overwhelmed. We can look at ourselves and say, oh boy. But then we forget, no, it's no, long, no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. Amen. And when Jesus is within us, we are more than able to meet every challenge for his grace and his strength and his equipping is available to us who believe. Amen. It's so good to see you here. Um, we're so blessed to have the unis with us this week. Been about, I've been here about 10 years, so they've been coming at least 10 years. And every time they're a blessing. We had a wonderful time in the early service, and we want to continue. So if you will, let's give Brother and Sister Uni a big God bless you as he comes The ministers. <clears throat>
3: Amen. Thank you, Pastor. What a joy, what a privilege it is for us to be here at our Florida home church. We always enjoy coming here so very, very much. And uh, uh, I mean, wonderful church, great pastor, great wife, pastor's wife, and uh, just a great congregation. And hey, when you're from Wisconsin, Florida's a great place to preach in January, February and March. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's been brutally cold up there, and if it's not cold, then it's snowing. And so it's kind of like a yo-yo for them. It's either cold or snowing, and uh, so they've had some challenging times there. But anyway, it's uh, great to be here with you, and thank you for inviting us and allowing us to be a part of what God's doing here at Pleasant Grove. And we do want to, just before we share the message this morning, to uh, just um, thank you for your prayers so much, and uh, we are just so excited to... uh, uh, just see how God has provided. As we said in the earlier service, you know, I would have never have a, ever have imagined that there would have been a year like last year, never could have imagined that I'd be going into a bank, wearing a mask, asking for money. But uh, it's been that kind of a year. And so anyway, uh, God has been faithful. God has provided. God has met needs. And we're just so thankful. And here we are still going and you're still going. And uh, Amen. We're thankful for God and His faithfulness. Just a quick word regarding the table out there for those that are new to the church since we've been here in previous services. The table runs itself. Don't feel like we have to be back there. Don't wait for us to come back there. If you're buying a book, you're buying a CD, you'll find a gray box on the table. Paying with a check, make it out to Fresh Fire Ministries, put it in the gray box. Paying with cash, put it into the gray box. If you need change, then come and find us. Paying with a credit card or a debit card, then come and find us. Otherwise, the table runs itself. Everything's available for a $15 donation on this. There's a sticker saying something else. Some books are $10, have a $10 sticker on them. Some CD packages are $20, have a $20 sticker on them. And $20 ones have two CDs in them. Some have three CDs in them. But if there's no sticker on it, it'd be $15. And we've got books on a lot of different subjects back there. Uh, but our theme this morning is dealing with uh, love, marriage, and... Uh, there, we don't have any books on marriage back there, and so uh, anyway, uh, we couldn't find a book for that. Uh, Beth said uh, jokingly, "Say we, we don't want to recommend this one. What to do on the worst day of your life? You know that there, there is a book by that title, but that's not appropriate for this particular theme this morning. But uh, we've got a couple of books that are books that we have written, uh, books on the Holy Spirit. This one's called God's Power or More Power: Supersizing the Working of the Holy Spirit." a manual or a guide to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So if you're interested in that, that's available. And obviously, we all need the power and the working of the Holy Spirit. Whether we're single or married, we need the power and the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it'll cover the baptism in the Holy Spirit from A to Z. Uh, this one's called God's Power Tools for Life and Ministry. It's basically the seminar we do on the gifts of the Spirit in written form. has a few stories that we usually don't get to in the seminar and some other examples, but also one of the $10 books. You can order them from Amazon for $12.99, add to shipping, but obviously back there you get them for $10, no shipping, so it's the best deal back there. And then another book that would relate, again, whether we're married or single, this one's called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere, deals with the subject of forgiveness. We need to be forgivers. We're going to have a long, bumpy road in life if we don't learn to forgive. People are going to say things, do things, uh, not even intentionally. I mean, some people may do it intentionally to you, but others will do it unintentionally. But we just need to be forgivers. And so, uh, we encourage you to look at this particular book. It's also available back there, plus a whole host of others. Music of various... Kinds are back there. You love the modern courses of the church. Got a CD about that. You love the old hymns of the church. We got a CD about that. This one's Alan Jackson singing the old uh, hymns of the church sung country style. So that's available. And then if you want to get our newsletter, write down your name and address on the sheet at the back table. You want to get our weekly emailing, write down your email address. You want to get both of them, write down both addresses. And then one last thing we encourage you, please pick up one of our prayer cards. Bring the card home. Put it somewhere you're going to see it. Whenever you see the card, remember us in prayer. Put it on your refrigerator door. Put it in uh, in a book you're reading. Put it in your Bible. Put it somewhere you're going to see it. Whenever you see the card, remember us in prayer. We're not asking you to pray an hour a day for us. All we're asking is whenever you see the card. And when you've got thousands of people across America and around the world praying for something, that's powerful. And I know you've been praying for us Already, but uh, if you uh, don't have a card or if you lost a card, or if you're new to the church, well, pick up a card. Um, there's people praying for this service. This past uh, month, on Wednesday nights, we've been in uh, Brooksville uh, Brooksville, Florida, uh, doing a seminar on the gifts of the Spirit. Pray that uh, they're praying for this service. The week before that, we were in Chieflin, Florida. Uh, before that we were in Noma, Florida, before that, Tampa, Florida. Now pray that this Wednesday night, God's going to pour out His Spirit in Brooksville, Florida. We've been teaching on the gifts, as I said, the previous Wednesday nights. Now this Wednesday night, He's asked us to preach on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So pray that God's going to pour out His Spirit. People will get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if He doesn't do it, it's not going to happen. I can't do it, but He can. So pray that people get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then next Sunday, we'll be in Lakeland, Florida. Pray God will pour out His Spirit there. And it doesn't matter where we go, we need God every single week. So please be our partners in ministry. Pray for us and we would appreciate it so very, very much. I think that's all we're going to share regarding the table. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, please, this morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 10. We're going to read verses 6 through 9 as our text. As I mentioned a moment ago, our message this morning deals with marriage. But you know, whether you are married or single, there's going to be principles and nuggets that you can pull from in this message this morning. And you can apply to your life, whether you're married, you're single, and whatever spectrum of life you find yourself in, there will be some keys that you can apply for your life this morning. But let me read our text this morning. Words of Jesus, Mark chapter 10, starting with verse number 6 through verse number 9. The Bible says from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh and then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. If you'll join with me this morning, let's pray together out loud this morning. Make it our personal prayer as we pray this prayer together out loud this morning. Pray with me out loud, please. Dear God, I thank You for who You are and for what You are doing in my heart, in my life, and in this church. And this morning, I ask You to further Your work in my heart, in my life, And in this church, have your way in me this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated, please. You know, sometimes conflicts can arise in marriage. In fact, it's not abnormal at all for conflict to arise from time to time. But sometimes we can say something stupid or do something stupid and kind of shoot ourselves in the foot. Reminds me of a couple of stories I came across. Man says, My wife sat down next to me as I was flipping channels. She asked, What's on TV? I said, Dust. And then the fight started. (laughs) Another example... The husband said, when our lawnmower broke and wouldn't run, my wife kept hinting to me that I should get it fixed. But somehow I always had something else to take care of first. First it was the shed, then it was my boat, and then it was something else. There was always something more important to me. Finally, she thought of a clever way to make her point. When I arrived home one day, I found her seated in the tall grass busily snipping away with tiny a tiny pair of sewing scissors, cutting the grass with sewing scissors. I watched silently for a short time, and then I went into the house. I was gone only a minute when I came out again, and I handed her a toothbrush. And I said, when you finish cutting the grass, you might want to sweep the driveway. (laughs) That's when the fight started. Sometimes we may shoot ourselves in the foot. (laughs) Before we go any further, whenever we preach on the subject of marriage, we always want to say at the very onset that we realize that there are those who have gone through the heartbreak of divorce. And the message this morning and whenever we preach on marriage is not meant to make a person feel bad about the past, but in order to give you hope, And principles for the future. Principles to live by now. Because the past is past. That's past. That's behind you. In fact, it reminds me of when we were in our first pastorate, the church was growing. People were coming into the church. People were coming to Christ. People were getting saved. And the church was growing like this church is. And one night, I was leading a Bible study in the book of First Corinthians dealing with the subject of marriage and divorce. And one of the new converts, a lady named Jeannie, her and her husband had come into the church during that time, given their lives to Christ, and in fact, they were influential in bringing a multitude of their friends into the church who also were becoming believers. But in that Bible study, Jeannie raised her hand, a new believer, and she said, Pastor, What about me? What about me? Doug is my third husband. My answer to her that night was, and still would be today, Jeannie, just love God. Love God and be the best wife that you can be. And serve God together with Jeannie. The past is the past. But let's build on what is now. And so, this morning we want to apply the principles, whether this is your first marriage, second marriage, or third marriage. The same principles apply. Also, if you're single, there's principles that you can apply to your life this morning. Because you know what? We're all learning. We're all growing. We're all maturing. We're all in this together. Beth and I, we've been married for 46 years this coming August. It was 47 years ago that I had graduated from Northern Michigan University with a degree in marketing, degree in business, and got hired by the Woolworth Company to work in management. I always have to pause and explain what Woolworths is because people wonder what in the world is a Woolworths. Okay, before there ever was Walmart, there was a chain of stores called Woolworths, okay? They hired me into management there. The first store they sent me to was in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. That was Beth's hometown. Beth and I we met at church, but it wasn't love at first sight. It was not at all. In fact, Beth was trying to line me up with one of her friends, so she she didn't think I was worth or wonder. She didn't want to have me, so she lined me up with one of her friends. And she was the girl who always came around the corner with her red Volkswagen. She only lived a half a block away from me when. When I was there in Stevens Point, when, when we got married, it wasn't a big move for her. She just took her pillow and blanket and walked down the street a half a block. And that was, that was the big move to get married. And then later came the cat. But uh, anyway, uh, she would be the girl that come hot rodding around the corner with her red Volkswagen. I, I was convinced sometimes it looked like that Volkswagen was on two wheels going around that corner. But... It was not love at first sight, but the pastor had started a prayer meeting where early in the morning, Monday through Friday, people would just gather at the church and pray on their way to work. And I was among those who came. And one particular morning in in the month of July, I was just minding my own business, just seeking God and just praying. And while I was praying, God gave me a vision. God probably thought, okay, we got to get this guy's attention and there's no other way i got to give him a picture. And so God gave me a vision. It was blurry at first and then it focused in clearly and I saw who it was and it was back. And God said, that's going to be your wife. I was stunned. I thought I must be imagining things. I rubbed my eyes, went back to prayer. It came back a second time. Rubbed my eyes, went back to prayer, came back a third time. I just finally said, okay, God, if that's you, then you bring it to pass. And I just put it out of my mind, didn't even think about it. Well, now fast forward to October, and the church was having a hayride. And I ended up going to the hayride, Beth ended up going to the hayride. We didn't go there together, but we ended up at the hayride. And and lo and behold, we started talking and visiting, and we started dating after that. And then fast forward to February, we got engaged. Fast forward to August, we got married. Within a period of one year and three months, we got married. And in the meantime, God had been showing her things also. But I never told Beth about the vision because I didn't want her to have to marry me. Well, if God says so, I guess I'll have to, you know. I want it to be something that came from her heart. And so for the past 46 years now, we've served God together one year, one more year in the business world with Woolworths, two years in Bible school, pastor for 20 years, now traveled, 22 years uh, coming this September. And it sounds like a marriage made in heaven. But even marriages made in heaven have to be worked out on earth. Now my parents, their story is totally different. My father, he had served in the army in World War II. And whether it was while he was in the army or shortly after he was discharged from the army, he started writing to a girl in Finland. He was part of a pen pal club. Started writing to a girl in Finland and the letters got more and more serious, more and more serious. Finally got to the point where they were getting really serious and he went to Finland and he met my mother in person They got married in Helsinki, Finland, and then they came here to America, and I was born two years later here in America. They were happily married for 42 years until my father died 29 years ago. My mother died three years after that. Back then there were pen pals. Today there's eHarmony and Christian Mingle. But they had to work it out on earth. You see what we're trying to say? Don't matter how people get together, they have to work it out on earth. Beth's parents, their story was different. There were young people who grew up in the same church together in Stevens Point. They fell in love, got married. They were married for 63 years until Beth's father died 11 years ago. But they had to work it out on earth. Doesn't matter how you got together, we have to work it out on earth. So what are some keys to a long-lasting marriage? How to make it work? Why do they work? How do they work out? Principles that we can live by. What are some of these principles? Whether we're single, widowed, or widower, or married. Let me give you five keys this morning that I've observed. Things I've often shared at weddings or things I've shared in premarital counseling. They all start with the letter C. First of all, it takes commitment. You know, we live in an age of non-commitment today. It's hard to find people that are committed to anything today. Committed to their job. Hard to find people committed to a job. In fact, I told our sons when they were growing up, I said, hey, if you just show up at work, you're ahead of 75% of the workforce. Just show up. You don't even have to be good at what you're doing. Just show up and you're going to be 75% ahead of everybody else. They both they both followed it and have have done well. But I said, just show up. Our youngest son they've always wanted him to be involved in management, and he got involved in management in in the profession that he works in. But then after working in management for a while, he thought, well, no, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> and so he he's he they, again they've offered him management positions, but no, I'll, I'll just be a, I'll just be a worker. I don't want I don't want to deal with that. It's hard to find people committed to tasks in their job. Hard to find people committed to the church. They say a faithful church member today is in church twice a month. That's a faithful church member. A committed member is there twice a month. Now, that's, that's before COVID. We understand people miss because of COVID, because of health concerns and whatever. That's, that's different. But before there ever was a COVID, it was a faithful member was there twice a month. And then people need to be committed to their marriage to decide that we are going to be the best that we can be. We're going to be the best that we can be at our job. We're going to be the best that we can be at the church. We're going to be the best that we can in our marriage. The best employee, the best member, the best spouse. Colossians 3 verse 23 says, "...and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive a reward of the inheritance." For you serve the Lord Christ. Marriage takes commitment. When we get married, we're making a commitment before God. When we get married, we're making a commitment to our spouse. Those marriage vows, remember those vows. A vow is a solemn promise. We make those vows that we're going to be committed together for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health till death do us part, that we are committed no matter what happens. It's one of the beauties of watching folks in in this body of believers, even as you see one of the spouses go through a health issue. You see the other one step up and see them through. And sometimes it maybe the other one gets sick and then the other spouse will see them through. And what a tremendous testimony that is. But somebody said that today people often spend more time on getting married than staying married. Marriage, it's a commitment. I'm going to make this work. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to end this. It's a commitment. One man to one woman for one lifetime. Remember our text again. It said, But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. We find in the book of Genesis, Jesus was quoting Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. The Fire Bible makes these comments in their notes. God in the beginning ordained marriage and the family unit as the first and foremost important institution on earth. God's plan... For marriage consists of one male. By the way, one male, not two males, but one male. And one female, not two females, but one female, who become one flesh, united physically and spiritually. This instruction in excludes excludes adultery, polygamy, homosexuality, immoral living, and unscriptural divorce. It's a commitment. It's a commitment we make that we're going to stay committed to this. Yes, there are things that can happen. One spouse dies, they're left single. One spouse leaves, they're left single. One spouse becomes unfaithful. Well, even then, forgiveness and reconciliation are recommended, but Jesus did permit divorce in those cases. One spouse becomes abusive and dangerous, and in those cases, separation or divorce may become necessary, but it takes commitment. It takes commitment. I still remember a time in our first pastorate. We were pastoring in Minnesota at this point in time. People were coming to the church and one of the new couples to the church. One day, the lady of the couple, her name was Phyllis. She came to the office. She knocked on the door. I said, come on in. And Phyllis comes in. And and the first words out of her mouth were, God told me to divorce my husband. I tried to say it as nice as possible. I really did. And I said to her, God told you no such thing. And she looked at me like, how do you know what God did or did not tell me? And then we went through the whole thing of how God will never contradict His word. And I went on to explain to her, you have no grounds for divorce. You have no grounds. You've had an argument. You've had a disagreement. But you've got no grounds whatsoever for divorce. Thank God she listened And she went back home, and her and Harvey, they worked it out, and they remained married and continued to be a part of the church until they died. And they didn't kill each other, but they, they remained a part of the church until they died, but they had made a commitment. And love is a commitment. Love is a commitment. Love is a decision. It's not a feeling. Something I read some years ago in the devotional book that we have available at the back tables back there... Listen to this. You must understand that love is a choice, not a sensation. The old righteous brother's song, you've lost that loving feeling. It may make your toes tap, but it won't make your marriage work. Your will is where the solution begins. God wouldn't have commanded, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Ephesians 5.25 Or God would not have said, teach your young women to love their husbands, as in Titus chapter 2, verse 4. If love was a feeling, God would not have commanded it. Because you can't command feelings. Feelings, they come, they go, they're there, they're gone. Feelings are feelings, but you can't command feelings. And on the other hand, there's another example of this where Jesus said, My commandment is that you love one another as I have loved you. John 15, verse 12. If love was a sentiment that depended on someone else's actions and reactions or an emotion over which you had no control, Jesus wouldn't have said, This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Love is a choice that we make. It's initiated by our will. What He commands you to do then He will give you the grace to carry out. What He commands you to do, He will give you the grace to carry out. One of the things that just hit me, I, I never realized it until I was preparing this week for, for this particular message. The love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What is described as love in 1 Corinthians 13. You, we don't have time to go through it this morning, but you look at all those things that are listed there. Those are choices, not feelings. They're choices, not feelings. Again and again, the Scripture teaches us that love is a choice. It's not a feeling. It takes a commitment. It's not a feeling. I I think it was Joyce Meyer that said recently she and her husband have been married for 50 years. Uh, Dave, her husband, is 80-something and she's 70-something and... And uh, they've been married for 50 years. And she said, when Dave comes through the door, there's butterflies aren't there anymore. There's no butterflies. But she says, there's something deeper. There's a deep love that's there. She went on to make this point. Just because, just because it's not emotionally exciting anymore does not give us any right to walk away from it. I had to chew on that one for a while, but that's true. The point is, love is a commitment. And when we make the commitment, the feelings will follow. The feel, we're not talking about never having feelings, but we're saying we make the commitment, and the feelings will follow the commitment. Second of all, it takes communication. It's amazing how often people don't communicate. They don't know what the other person is